Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dad Starting Over podcast. And before we get started with today's episode, I want to get a couple of pieces of business out of the way. First of all, I write and sell books. You can find my books at dadstartingover.com books. You can also find my books at any of the major retailers online at amazon.com, Audible, Awesound, Barnes & Noble, and Apple Books. Look for my books titled The Dead Bedroom Fix, which is my bestseller. Now What? A Guide for Men Starting Over in Life After Infidelity, Breakup, and Divorce, as well as my book Red Flags. Lastly, I have started a members-only site to my website called the DSO Fraternity. At the DSO Fraternity, we have live member meetings, access to all of my books at no additional charge in both PDF and audiobook format. We also have Facebook discussion groups for members only. And lastly, articles and audio for members only that you are free to discuss on the website. Check out the DSO Fraternity at dadstartingover.com join. And now on to today's episode. Hello, ladies and germs. Once again, here on the podcast, we have none other than Mrs. DSO herself. And as promised in the previous episode where we had Mrs. DSO, this is the episode where we're going to talk about SEX. Today, I wanted to start with a big question. And as the author of The Dead Bedroom Fix, if you've read my stuff on dadstartingover.com, if you've been a member of the fraternity and been on meetings and etc., etc., then the impression I'm giving everyone is I have a pretty healthy sex life. And things have been going pretty uh, hot and heavy, as I always like to say, for seven plus years now. So my question to my wife, Mrs. DSO, who is sitting here beside me, is why do you, the woman in this relationship, think that, why do you think we have so much sex? (laughs) Um, Let me think about this. I think um, one big part is that we both, have a lot of chemistry and we had chemistry from day one we were both flirty from day one so i think a lot of that is just luck that we just are a good physical match and we're attracted to each other but we also constantly make an effort like you and i both try to be flirty throughout the day we try to bring sex up as a topic we have our dirty thursdays i think we make an, a constant effort <laughs> We'll get into that. I don't know if we were going to bring this up, but okay. <laughs> well, you told me to. Um, so I think 
just having that on your mind and bringing it actively into conversation throughout the day that helps mm-hmm. and um, there's a bunch of other reasons so another another you started though at the beginning where we had the initial attraction mm-hmm. and the initial sexuality if you want flirtatiousness and everything else i mean there are plenty of guys that i talk to when i say describe the beginnings of your relationship and it was very good friends in fact we were platonic friends for sometimes years mutual friends or friends of the family kind of thing and we always saw each other at events and then one thing led to another and we realized maybe we should try going on a date and then they go on a date and they fall in love and etc cetera, etc cetera. and those guys not invariably but most of the time if i say well then would you describe the honeymoon period of your relationship as hot and heavy most of those guys say eh not really it's almost like they were put in the proverbial friend zone from day one day one um so are you saying then as the woman that you have to have that initial oomph, otherwise it's hopeless? You know, I can't really draw from a lot of experience. Um, but what I gather from talking to my girlfriends on, on our wine nights and from my personal direct comparison to my previous pretty sexless marriage, it has to be initial attraction. If you never saw this other person from the start as a sexual person and you started out as non-sexual, I think it's going to be really hard to get that into the relationship and keep it there. Well, then the question begs the question, then why in the world would you get into a relationship if you don't have that initial sexy oomph to begin with? I don't know. Why did I get into a relationship where I was actually literally appalled by the guy that I was dating? Well, let's talk about that. I, I think it was the whole... Um, you know, you sh- no, I think it's a societal thing. We, for, especially as girls, we're raised to think that sex shouldn't be that important. It shouldn't be really on our minds because, you know, we're going to be wives and mothers. So we don't need to look for a sex partner. We look, we need to look for a, a husband and a provider. So uh, sex is not, even though we might feel sexual, it's not on our mind as we're looking for a partner. And then there's also the whole um, expectation that, um, those things are going to go away anyway after a while and sex isn't that important in a long-term relationship. So I think we just tend to settle a little bit. We tend to think, oh, you know, if it doesn't click, I'll just make it work and eventually the honeymoon phase will taper off anyway and then we'll just be like every other couple, just be buddies. Mm-hmm. And that is until you get with somebody that pushes those buttons and you go, oh. Yeah, that's exactly it. Okay, that's <laughs> what that's about. Yeah, and I can, I must admit that from personal experience too is I, I settled for... My high school boyfriend and um, thought, you know, we're a great match. We look great on paper. We we get along on so many other levels. Who cares if the sex is not so great? But there were certainly a few guys in my um, throughout med school and residency that were that I found more attractive. And I realized, oops, there's something that could go wrong here if I followed that path. Like I could have seen how I could have cheated on my ex-husband if if that had come along that chemistry yes. that spark as an attractive young woman you have all kinds of opportunities to step yeah. out if you wanted to older men your superiors making flirty comments here and there yeah and believe it or touches not when they shouldn't be and guys your age asking you out yeah and believe it or not you do want to have that feeling that hollywood gives you right that that you want to be swept off your feet listening to violins while you're kissing feeling those butterflies but at that time did you have any examples of how good it could be around you did you have an aunt uncle somebody cousin who knows a co-worker that you said oh i wish i had that over the top 
intimacy that I see them having. Probably not, but I did hear from my friends that um, they would always talk about those butterflies and how excited they were to see their partners, and I never really felt that way, and that always bugged me a little bit. Hmm. But you never had the foresight to follow through on that and say something's up here, something's wrong. You just you were no. in the momentum of the relationship, and it kept going yeah, and going. You know, and, 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 and you rationalize it. You tell yourself, yeah. well, why, why should I complain about something that's so great? Sex isn't really that important, and you tell yourself this is this is what matters we have a great relationship we have so much in common and we have all this this great stuff ahead and all these great memories already and why would we give it up just because of that prime primal thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's almost uh overt sexuality is uh not as important not not important's not the real word um wholesome it's not as real as the other stuff and maybe some, I've talked to several guys who come from cultures where they're in arranged marriages, and they will tell you, like, you know, actually the, the stats prove out that arranged marriages on whole, surprisingly, they stay together longer. And I say, well, yeah, but there's, there's a lot of baggage that goes with that. If I'm from an, you know, for example, Orthodox Jewish religion from Israel or Mormon faith or something like that, I have a lot of social pressure to stick around and make this thing work. And a lot of those guys will tell you, that doesn't necessarily mean we have continue having sex. It just means we stay together no matter what. And a lot of those relationships are sexless for years and years. But okay, so, but this begs the question then, it's just all we've identified so far is that initial spark, which by the way, you could have with countless people. Mm -hmm. You could go, oh, who the, I mean, every man has had, who the hell is that over there? Oh, that's a new lady at the office, wow. Is that a spark enough to say that's a woman I would have sex with? For men? Yeah, probably. If I was single and on the scene and that woman that had just said, whoa, who was that over there? If she came over and said, uh, I have ten, you know, 15 minutes at lunch, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> probably 90% of the guys that are single would say, sure, let's do this. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily equate to a long-term relationship where you're still going, yeah, 15 minutes, let's do this. What is it that maintains that oomph throughout. And I wrote some things here and uh, that I pinpointed as what's maybe possibly unique to us, at least in comparison to most of the guys I talk to on, in the uh, coaching sessions. Um, no sexual shame, I think is a big one. And that's something that seems kind of like, duh. But I know a lot of guys and gals who, you know, if uh, some man said, hey, what do you think if we tried fill in the blank here? A lot of women would be like, uh, no, excuse me. Or uh, you're a pervert. Yeah. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, Why would you want to do this? Yeah. I'm your wife. I'm not some dumb slut, blah, blah. And it may surprise some men to hear that some men do the same thing to the woman. The wife's like, I was thinking maybe we could fill in the blank here. And the man's um, there's some Madonna whore complex thing that a lot of men have, which is this is the mother to my children. This is my wife of X years. She's in my mind, kind of above that uh, feeling of cheap, tawdry sex. I'll leave that for the hooker that I see once every other week downtown. But as far as my wife's concerned, um, no, we don't do that sort of thing. A lot of guys listen to this and say, no way. But yeah, that's pretty common too. So we've overcome that by, I've never had any never instance had no, where I've ever said, let's do this. And you'd be like, Ooh, I don't think so. But at the same time, I don't know. I guess our boundaries sexually are pretty loose. We, we have an understood thing where if you said something, hey, how about we bring another man into the room? I'd probably be like, hey, how about no? You know, <laughs> that'd be the end of that. Yeah. But um, you have to add here 
that we both, when we met, we came out of long, long, 15 years with the same person. Yeah, both of us. Yeah, and we were in well, this. Well, was 20 years total. Yeah, yeah I was 15 years. So mm -hmm. we were coming out of this pretty sexless relationship, both <laughs> of us. And we were in a phase of sexual rediscovery and liberation. So we were both just perfectly aligned and that we wanted to experiment and try different things. We're like, yeah, finally. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I had more sexual experience than you did post-first marriage. And none of them clicked to the degree that we did. So, yeah. I'm, but we'll there was that initial you. like, who's this? And you could tell, obviously, she gave me uh, the time enough to figure out if we clicked or not. And we, all of them, it just kind of there was a mutual, yeah, this isn't working. Maybe a couple of them were kind of scary, but there's something to that mutual attraction and um, that oomph at the very beginning. And then we're also very open to sexual ideas. We're open to, I really, not, not to put any thoughts in people's heads here, we're not talking about really out there things as far as you and I are concerned. We don't, uh, I mean, I know you're German, no animals, no poop. Okay, so, <laughs> so uh, there's a there's a running joke between Mrs. DSO and I. She's German, and I always say the Germans just love poop, and she assures me that's true. that's not the case. Oh. We, we all know it is. But here, can I interrupt? Yes, please. For a second, there, what you're saying, I think there is a big word in between those lines, and I think that's trust because we yes. trusted each other from day one because we were so open with each other from day one. We really were, but there's no holding back. And, you know, but I, here's a good point. I did not put in my notes. The cultural, um, my family's from Europe. You being born and raised in Europe. Um, maybe there is a cultural familiarity there in terms of sexuality, of it's more open than uh, the more puritanical Midwestern America that I grew up in. That's uh, a shame. Though. I remember my mom and dad. You know, I, I remember going to kids' houses, and if the if the movie was rated PG, no kids get out of the room. Oh yeah, no, only G-rated movies I for you. Well, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> nudity was on the television in my home, and it was no big deal. It's, it's just what it is. Who cares? Yeah. And um, I remember thinking that was very strange, that very prudish kind of behavior. So maybe our openness to things, sexuality, as if this isn't a big thing to talk about. And we were very open about it to begin with. And that kind of added to the flirtatiousness and took it to the next level. Um, the next thing on the list I had was jealousy. We're not one, and this will kind of lead into a, a topic that the next thing on my list is, <clears throat> be honest. If you catch me in my eye following, holy crap, look at that woman. And she's very obviously over the top, wow. Mm -hmm. you, we all think of it in our head right now what I'm talking about. And you catch my eyeballs going, whoa. Your, your initial thoughts are? Two things. I'm a little hurt because I feel like I should be a queen bee. But I also see that she's really hot, so I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people, it's like, oh, look at the beautiful sunset. It's the same thing. You yeah. put it in front of you go, oh, wow. Plus we're wired to look at, yeah, we're wired to look at pretty things. And men are definitely wired to look at every flower in the field to pollinate. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and at the same time, you're not, you're not one, like we watch football on TV and all the men are wearing tights. You'll be like, oh, wow, you can see all their packages. Mm -hmm. I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and you, you open my eyes to the whole thing of men wearing gray sweatpants at the gym and you can see all their genitalia on display. I'm like, I never noticed this before. Now that's all I can see. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate a, there's that. There's such a thing as a male camel toe. Male, I don't think that's the right term. But, <laughs> it's probably not. But this kind of leads into, so you've never said that. And I just say, I'm not talking to you right now or how dare you say that. And you've never said, hey, Stop can you, can you not this. look at that? In fact, and this leads into my next point, this is something possibly a little unique compared to most, but I think this is way more common than what you guys may think. I've always made the point of, it's my opinion, and it's the opinion of sex researchers too. You can find data to, to back this up. Women in general, their sexuality is far more fluid in mm-hmm. nature. Um, if you take them, if I polled 100 men and sat them down that went to college, and I said, in college, did you ever experiment sexually with other men? Probably 98 of them would say, uh, no. Sit down 100 women, probably half of them would say, yeah, I did. I, I haven't, bit. never. But but I know what you're, where you're going with this. But at the <laughs> same time, you are very free and open with the fact that you find women sexy. Yeah. And you're attracted to women. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, this is the one that will make men go, oh, geez, he just hit a home run. The thought of your man, me. Mm-hmm. Being with another woman. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hot. Kind, there you go. It's kind of hot. I mean, so when um, so when I see you looking at another woman, the initial instinct is, hmm, I wish I wish you would look at me like that. Like, why is he looking at this woman? But I can see how she's hot, and I would probably do her if I was the guy. And then my mind keeps, keeps wondering, and I'm thinking, hmm, you know, maybe the two of us... <laughs> could get her together (laughs) see so this leads into my next bullet point which is healthy fantasizing and there are a lot of people that hearing that right there would be there is no way in hell my wife and i would ever talk in that way even if she were to think those thoughts which a lot of guys after they get a couple drinks in their wife you know the shirt comes off at some party somewhere and she's making out with some girl i've heard that more than a few times and then as soon as she sobers up they are not to ever mention that that ever happened and that is completely verboten and if he ever even implies it she gets very angry because that's yeah that's not me that was after three wines we don't talk about that um there's nothing wrong at all with saying i have this fantasy of this what is so the very worst case scenario is the other person will kind of sneer their nose and say "Mm, i don't like that the end Mm -hmm. but there's so many couples where it's very unhealthy and that sneering the nose becomes "Mm." and that means you don't love me enough you shouldn't have any of those thoughts ever about others or scenarios that are degrading to me etc 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 yeah and that boils back comes back down to shaming each other yeah it's all and and a lack of trust i think that trust yeah i wanted to come back to that um a big thing that a lot of women say when they're in relationships is that they feel safe to be overly sexual and they weren't safe before because they felt shamed the other guy would spaz out and be all anxious about if she tried to do something and it just wasn't sexy versus the guy she just met in the bar last week has no shame no whatever he's just go with the flow have fun and she tries a little something and he's fine with it and she feels zero guilt uh, she just feels completely safe to open up sexually to some guy she met in the bar last week, which is a little strange to some guys because you would think, you know, I've had guys tell me, <clears throat> I was there for my wife's breast cancer scare. I was there, three, the birth of three of our children, 
I now make six figures and I'm doing great and da da da. None of that was enough to earn her feeling of safety sexually. And then I found out she had an affair and she opened all the way up to this guy and did everything under the moon because the guys, you know, hack the phones and the computers and they can see all that stuff. Part of that is there's nothing that really gets you going like a new sexy relationship. That's, you know, that kind of wipes out all kinds of inhibitions and so forth. The other thing is there's something about that guy and the way he was and he carried himself and everything else that made her feel like I can kind of open this side of me up. I don't I don't have the inhibition of yeah. I don't have all the baggage of the kids. I don't have that baggage of the bills and I don't have the baggage of all these resentment I have for this guy this that I married over these years. And well, do you bring enough baggage because I yeah. think there's also a big part of dynamics that have been there for years that started very early and also a fear of if I come out with that now that I like that what was he going to think of me and is that going to negate everything that we've had so far because because you're afraid that he will think you're a lesser person or maybe you have been cheating on him or that you've been thinking of it or well let me get you the sudden sexuality would be seen as this is alarming let me give you an example of Again, my previous marriage, because it's like the only thing I can draw from. (laughs) So we started out dating, um, and I wasn't anywhere near ready. I was just 18, and I wasn't very mature sexually at the time. So I had no interest in in experimenting or doing anything. And, of course, he being an 18-year-old boy, he just wanted to go like full-on porn, um, living out all his porn fantasies. And when I realized that he was kind of pushing me to do stuff, I got resentful because I didn't have the strength to say no. And so I started shaming him Mm. for being overly sexual. He was at times that sexual that he was watching porn while I was like with him. Mm. And uh, well, yeah, and kind of go, pushed me into sex. At, and I think not figured, to go into much detail about no, what he was watching, but some of it was alarming. Well, but aside from that, I think it's weird if an eighteen-year-old no, boy pushes that's my point, a girl yeah. while watching porn pushes her to have sex. She's just an object it. at that point. Of let me yeah. use you to act out Correct. what I see here. And so what yeah. I did is I started shaming him, and I said, you know, this is weird, and you should give me time, and you shouldn't be doing this. It's gross. And those dynamics very quickly got set in stone whereas i was the morally superior girl because i could hold back and i didn't need any of that filth and he was always the one that was doing something wrong morally and those dynamics got so set in stone that even 10 years later when i was actually feeling more sexual towards him and more interested in trying out things i couldn't talk about it because i didn't want to now be bring that old porno guy back well now i didn't want to be the slutty one because after 10 years of being the holy nun i didn't now not want to be the dirty one so see how how those dynamics get so Um, engraved in your relationship that's hard to Why was it at that point in your first marriage where you started to feel more sexual? Can you pinpoint it because you just felt more comfortable in your own skin? Yeah, I think so. I think as a woman, a lot of I mean, I won't speak for all women. I'm sure there's others out there that are ready to have sex with whoever at 20, but I was just very not very mature at 18 and it just took me a little bit longer and by 30 i felt comfortable in my body comfortable with my sexuality i knew what i wanted and he really kind of threw you into the deep end of the pool with the porn and the let's act this out and let's do this to to a young girl basically yeah he kind of he overwhelmed me with what all sex had to offer and what it came with i I knew nothing i was so innocent and so let's let's keep this in mind the theme here first marriage innocent you had the moral high ground. You really dis- there's a very much a, a feeling of disgust, 
that that disgust element was in there and once that element's in there well that's hard to come back from yeah and that that's i think the thing that even after 10 years when you want to bring up a fantasy it's hard to do that if you've always been the one that says oh why are you why are you watching porn again mm -hmm. which brings me to my next topic porn uh porn in general you thought of it as because of your experience with I think him it's fast food which is it really problem. is it's sexual fast food well it for you, you know i've been pretty open about it with my my writings and stuff is that it's the, the typical process for having sex is there's a courtship I like you, you like me, who's who's that girl across the room? Let me get up the nerve to go talk to her. Hey, I actually like this gal. Let's go out on a date. One thing leads to another. It's a song and dance. It's proving your worth to her. She's proven her worth. She allows you and she feels safe with you and et cetera. Porn is just sk skipping, you know, everything between A and Z and just jumping right to Z, the orgasm. And for a lot of guys who start in their teen years with porn, they basically train their brain and their body to say, just go right from A to Z in yeah. literally two minutes. Well, it is literally like fast food. And they have intimacy yeah. problems and they have erectile dysfunction when it comes to the real act. And, um, you know, I've heard it all very, very common. So you, you see it as it's fast food. Well, it gets the job done. You want quick relief. You want quick gratification. But you're, you're you modeling it right now as a tool for men to just basically have orgasms. It's no, it's a tool for stress relief or whatever. Like, so you have an urge, you're hungry, you go to McDonald's, t 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, that was, that was good. Half an hour later, you're like, hmm, I could go again. Um, it's kind of the same with porn. You have an urge, maybe you had a stressful day, maybe you're just kind of angry at something, you just want to release something, and it's a very easy thing to just grab. I mean, there's so, so much porn for free. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, so it's so easy for men or women to just go there and... and get your high out of it and you feel better you feel energized or you feel relaxed or whatever it does to you but what it does over time just like bad food it it decreases your not your appetite but your appreciation for the slow food and for the good quality food and it decreases your willingness to work hard for the food that you're going to eat what do you think about people saying that what you see in porn is not realistic well it depends on who you're with <laughs> I just, yeah I, you know i do the same thing i always tell guys eh. I've had sex, and I've seen those people in porn having sex. It's pretty damn similar. Um, yeah, it's not necessarily lights off, missionary, yeah. let's not make any noise kind of thing. If you want to have be, fun. Yeah, I think porn can be actually inspiring. Because I think because of go. all the uh, porn I watched, had to watch, <laughs> um, I, I became... But my mind became open to all the things that are possible and that are out there and that men and women find um, sexy. So I just realized, you know what... Uh, um, desire and how it's played out comes in so many shapes and variations and as long as it's legal and not gross and trans species um, it, trans species. I mean whatever <laughs> whatever rocks your boat and I think if you are a couple that love each other you want to rock each other's boat in whatever way and I think I think you would probably be hurt if you if we were not intimate, close or whatever, when you walked in the door and there I was yanking away to some porn. Yeah, I'd rather have you... But you. But at the same time, this is I put on my bullet point list, yeah. this is something that we share together. And you, you let the cat out of the bag very early on in this talk. <laughs> dirty Thursdays. You know, some 20 minutes ago where you said the Dirty Thursdays. We have a tradition every Thursday when, when we're apart. Yes. Like, like not this week, that we will share porn over text message. 
Yeah, both of us. Yeah. Back she, and forth. And it's just a sexy little thing we do. Yeah. And like, oh my, yeah, she's hot. Oh, look at that. We're going to do this. Yep. Oh, that looks familiar. Huh? You know, yes. and it's just a titillating, sexy little part of what we do. And I remember when uh, you and I played the, oh shit, what's it called? The intimacy deck, the card game. Mm-hmm. And there was a question we read in there that said, what is your favorite sexy part of our relationship or something like that? And you got all se- horned up looking and you said i really like our dirty thursdays when we share porn and i was just like, of all the things that's it you're like mm-hmm, yep i like that so what is it about that you like that just because it's we're connecting it's titillating all the above um but one of the things i mentioned at the very beginning is that um that because we make a conscious effort no matter how busy the day is to just bring it up to bring sex back into the relationship and into uh, our daily life and even though we, we talk about sex and we are sexual on a daily basis, but the Dirty Thursdays really kicks it up a notch, kicks it up a notch. And we really get talking and we share fantasies and, you know, also it's closer to weekends. So we can even come it's up with ideas up to the what to do event. on the weekend. Yeah. yeah so it, and just to recap for those that didn't listen to the previous episode, please go back and listen to that one, the introduction of Mrs. DSO. But we have a interesting relationship in that, uh, we have our home here at home base in Kentucky and Mrs. DSO works in another state and we see each other just over half the time. So it's very similar. You know, I was actually thinking back, this isn't that unusual. When I was in my um, first marriage, very early on when I worked for a big corporation, I was gone three weeks out of every month. Wow. I saw her less than what I see you. And how interesting that was probably the healthiest point in my first marriage. And where things started going downhill in my first marriage was when we saw each other all the time and had kids. Well, that's because you didn't like each other, really. Also, we had no Dirty Thursdays, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, All of the stuff that we're talking about, sharing porn, healthy fantasizing, um, talking about each other's fantasies, where you're open about your sexuality and your attraction to other women and so forth, this is kind of next-level stuff. And this isn't stuff... I think a lot of guys that are a little socially awkward will hear this. And be like, I'm going to try this with my wife, the wife who has acted like she wants nothing to do with me for the past six months or more and sends her a porn clip via text message. And she's going to be like, I don't know what's wrong with you, but I'm in the middle right now of taking care of our sick child or uh, I have to go pick up the kid from school. They got in a fight or some life thing gets in the way and the, the, the tone is not there. Yeah. And I must say there are days where... I'm in the middle of a really rough day at work, you know, operating on a baby that's really sick. And then there comes this porn gif through my phone. And I'm like, I'm oh, seriously, I'm not, not in the mood. Yet. Not in the mood right <laughs> it's now. Not there. But even then. It's at I least tr- it's like a hee <laughs> hee. Not yeah, right now. Then, then correct. Don't get I won't shut you down. Yeah. Or I won't be angry at you because I know if you do that, that really shuts it down for good. You can't, you can't be negative about the other person's approach. Yes, and you have to realize the other person's doesn't know where you went sitting at the desk waiting for his next meeting, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm going to send this one for to show her later, for tonight, just as a tease or whatever." Yeah. Um, yeah, and to your credit, you've never said, "Now's not the time, buzz off," you know, or whatever, or to come on, better timing than that. But so back to the the guys in those relationships, the spark is most obviously gone. You don't just jump right into things. I'm, we've been to strip clubs together. Um, the, the watching the porn, et cetera, et cetera. These are all pr- these are all pretty next level things, and you have to build that feeling of safety, connectiveness, and and here's something I want you to testify on: is I always tell men, if you're not 
intimately connected as a couple, you just don't click anymore, and you go and ask your wife for sex. It's you're not ba- happen. You're basically just saying, I have needs, and I need to release this f- built-up orgasm that has to come out. Um, and, and you're the nearest thing here, and we're married, and we're supposed to do this. So can I just relieve myself using you as the tool here, wife? And she feels like a masturbatory device, and there's no, con- there's no, there was no work there to. How about I take you out for the weekend? No pressure, no nothing. How about just you and me? No kids. Let's go have fun on a little adventure. Here's a little love note for you. Here's a little touch for you throughout the day. They don't set any of the groundwork, which could take, for some of you guys, this could take weeks and months. Yeah, You don't do any of that stuff. You just jump right into, uh, so uh, Dave and and his wife Alice went to a strip club last week to go. You want to do that? And your wife's just going to look at you. Where the hell did that come from? Yeah. Well, even a weekend after doing nothing for years, even the She'll guy saying, pressured. hey, let's go on a spa weekend, the wife will immediately go, oh, no, he wants sex. Yeah, here we go. Which <laughs> I don't think, I, I don't like unspoken BS in a relationship. When Some of you guys out there haven't had sex for a year. Everyone knows it. It's the big elephant in the room that nobody talks about. Because guess what? That's not normal. I don't care who tells you that it is. So I have nothing wrong with... You know, honey, we haven't gone on a weekend in a long time. How about we go to this, using your thing, the spa. And by the way, just so we're clear, I'm not, this doesn't say, I'm not saying you we're jump into bed, blah, blah, blah. So forget all that. Okay. Let's just go have fun. Just you and me. Don't worry about sex and all that other stuff. And to a lot of women, that'll be like, a, oh, okay, sure. She may not believe you. But then how much more she will respect you if you just enjoy her company throughout the whole weekend and everything's fine and then you're getting ready to come home. She's like, well, hot damn. And ironically, I think that will start turning that knob in the right direction and she will actually get turned on, not necessarily all the way sexually, but the knob will start to get turned because she will have respect for the guy that he's not just after to get in her pants and relieve himself of all the pressure he's built up over the months that he generally wants to kind of start over. And yeah. let's reconnect as two people. And you and I are very, very, very connected mm-hmm. in that yeah. way. And that yeah. that's the secret to it all. And it's um, there's such a sharp contrast between us and what I had with my ex and what you had with yours that, um, uh, you know, and what you described before, you're a completely different human being than what you were then. How much of that do you attribute to me uh, almost in a, you know the term grooming it's a very common term for sexual abusers they groom their victim i guess a positive grooming have i set have i done the job of setting the tone over the years or maybe you just don't even consciously know i have done the work of setting the tone of leading you sexually down the road and eventually you quote unquote submit because you feel safe and oh you discover more things about yourself or are you looking at it from a more positive quote feminist point of view of no i just feel more comfortable in my skin and i'm more uh, naturally sexual as i age the end i think both or combination both uh, the, the, no it's it's a lot more there's a it's more multifactorial than that i think you do know how to play the game um to to just push the right buttons with me but at the same time you as you said there was the sexual liberation that i experienced i you know i i felt i never felt as good in my body as i did when we met so i just felt really sexy i caught you at the right time you did mm. and um 
and then there's also that we're just you're a very different person than the one I was with before. Um, you're much more emotional and and not as heady as the previous guy. So that, that didn't help because if you're not a passionate person and you're very nerdy, brainy, it it may be really difficult for you to become primal and to switch all that brainy stuff off and just go have at it. And I think you're better at that. And you know, when you describe the brainy, what you're actually describing is anxious. Neurotic. Neurotic, yeah. Well, yeah. that's just a lot of people are like that. Yeah, people that are high in neuroticism tend to be your brainy types. You know, your stereotype of the nerdy guy with the pocket protector who's fumbling when he, he can't get up the nerve to talk to the pretty girl in class kind of thing. That's a very neurotic person. Yeah, for those people, it can be really hard to be really primal and let go of all the, the thoughts and the cynicism and the sarcasm and the jokes. And they can't just be sexy and passionate and in the moment. Authentic. And they can't yeah. be. And there's a vulnerability there. Yeah. You know, if I go up and just start talking to somebody, this hot woman, and the woman looks at me and says, I, I just want you to know you have zero chance. Please stop talking to me. Yeah. A very neurotic guy will then go hide away in a hole for about a year. And exactly. then eventually he'll come out and be able to talk to somebody. A person who's low in neuroticism will just laugh that off and go, whoop, strike one, on mm -hmm. to the next one. And I think post-divorce, I really discovered that's kind of me. I just had no problem talking to the prettiest girl in the room. I had no problem hitting on somebody or being flirtatious or anything like that. It's never been an issue for me. And I think a lot of guys get in their own way. Yeah, and you were flirty from the second we met. Like there was no doubt. That you were not going to be in the friend, you were not going to be a friend zone guy. You were mm. sexy from the second one. That when we very first, yeah, physically met. So can you describe what it is? What key, you know? <sighs> this know. is kind of a training course, and because yeah. I could tell you what I think I did. I remember physically touching you early on, but not in a creepy way. No, you, I th you were very polite. You asked, is it okay if yeah, I okay, put my arm around, around you? you? And I remember saying, nope. I said, nope. And I said, all right then. <laughs> and just as a joke and just kept walking. Yeah. And then as we warmed up a little bit more, you, you did little things like you just whispered in my ear that you thought I was super sexy looking in a certain moment. Or you pointed out aspects of my outfit without being creepy, like saying really love your outfit or love your boots. Um I don't know. It, it was just, and you gave me those little s stares from the side that were just so sexy. <laughs> and then how did that evening end? But you didn't touch me really. There wasn't any. I didn't go for like. No, on a... Not at all. You asked about everything that before you did it, which is you know the modern way of doing it, which well, no, we don't I, love. I, I didn't say, may I touch your no, shoulder? No, no, no. It was more like. Oh, I remember what it was. We were walking and you were freezing. We were walking yes. outside, yeah, and yeah. I said, oh, you want me to put my arm around you? You're like, nope. I was like, all right. <laughs> well, <laughs> Keep walking. Yeah. We had basically just met for the very first time ever, and two seconds into it, we put my arm around? Nope. And I, we just laughed it off and just kept walking. And I was like, all right. And then uh, that was it as far as touchy. I don't yeah, think I ever said, hey, can I put my hand? I remember putting my hand on your leg during the game. Oh, you did? I think so. Hmm. Um, well, but it was too the Let me just cut to the chase. By the end of the night, we were completely making out in oh the car. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yes. So we kept was... our clothes on, but that was about it. Yep. Um, we well, we had a twelve-hour first date, mind you guys, um, and yeah. so we we talked a lot, and we got a lot closer, and I had a lot of trust at the end of that day. And I remember we were going to art gallery, and you did put your arms around me, and I was completely comfortable at that point. Kind of leaned into you, and you asked me if you could kiss me a little bit, and then you kissed my neck. I don't even think I asked you. I think I just went for no, it. No, I think you did ask. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No. <laughs> I'm not really one to ask. May I kiss you? No, I, I hate that. It. I hate that. Can, can I have, no. maybe I have a first kiss? I was, no, no, I, I want to be swept off my feet. But you mm -hmm. were polite. 
Mm. You didn't just do stuff. Oh, I'm I pretty sure that. I just did something. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, so, but long first date, really got to know each other, intimately connected. You felt safe with me. We went went for the making out. It just spontaneously happened in the car. And then on you went, and then we met again. And then we had sex by our third date. Yeah, mind you, I was all about he's going to be staying on the couch and <laughs> there's not going to be any sex. But then... This is the what second, we call the anti-slut defense. Go ahead. Yeah, but you know, um, so that was in my head. Mm. But the second he showed up, I opened him the door in a tiny, tiny little pair of hot pants. So I don't know what I was oh, thinking. Oh, you did? That's right. Yeah. I know what you were thinking. We <laughs> yeah. all knew what you were thinking. <laughs> There's the bed there. There's the and you brought the margarita, so that didn't I help. did. So anyway, we can just go on and make everyone really nauseated with all of this. But we have, uh, oh, so we have some big things coming up in our life. We kind of already touched on this on the previous episode where we announced that you are pregnant. You're going to have a baby here in July. Now is it's the end of January when we are 2021 when we're recording this. Baby's coming in July. You're finally starting to show a little bit. And I got to tell you, and I've already told you this, pregnancy suits you very well. For some women, well, you can just tell that the body is just like, you just need to shut down. It's You just can't take this. But you are growing in all the right places, which I'm a big fan of. And uh, you're looking good, looking healthy. You've had the nausea. For weeks. For weeks. <laughs> it comes and goes. You're eating very healthy, still exercising. So proud of you. And, um, but... We're still in a very loving, sexual way. Yeah, but I can already see how it's changing a little bit because of, just of my, because of my nausea, for example. The last few weeks, the nausea kicked in at night. And I never pushed. And here's the thing. I'm, I pick up on this cues of I'm not going to try anything. The poor woman's been nauseated and sickly all night long. And look at her and curl in the ball. And I'll just, you know, spoon and snuggle. And, snuggle yeah. and that's the end of that. I'm not going to push anything. Um, do I have desire to at times? Sure. Yeah, but we still, I mean, we still have pretty much sex every day we see each other. And that's pretty, that's a lot. I mean, for, for most couples, that's to on a daily basis. That's, uh, you know, I always tell guys when they're like, I don't know if we're having sex enough. Well, how often are you having sex? About three times a week. I said, that's pretty good. I yeah. think that's above average even that. So we're well above average. But some things are going to get in the way. Um, the first one I put, which is interesting, is not the baby and all that other stuff, but our distance the fact that we have little breaks from each other, you know, five-day break, seven-day break, etc., lends itself to that positive emotional tension, as they call it, that flirting from afar, and I can't wait to see you Saturday. What time do you land? I land at six. Ooh, I'll pick you up, and we'll go out to eat, and we'll, we have our little events, and we just love it, and we're all giddy, and I'm without the kids for three days. And uh, that's going to come to an end here soon when we're together for, well, at least for a few months during maternity leave. And then um, our goal is to eventually live under one roof for the whole time, not have these week breaks and everything, just be a quote-unquote normal couple. And I think that will be a detriment to our uh, staying connected, which which doesn't necessarily mean, hey, we're doomed to not have sex on a daily basis. It just means we'll have to stay attuned to the fact that we can easily be thrown off of uh, off, the, off the proper path into parenthood. And I always say parenthood is the antithesis of sexuality. It's the perfect storm of anti-sexiness. 
caring for another little human who is constantly need, 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 needing you in the house. And it, it, it just kind of blossoms from there or snowballs from there rather. And everything gets, you know, bills and everything, especially if you're struggling with money and it just becomes too much and it just eats away at all that giddy connected sexiness. So we'll have to work just a little bit more. And we talked about in the previous episode what that work means, which is just basically recognizing uh, we need to fight through this. And me saying, uh, no, we're not going to sit around and do nothing for the third night in a row. We, we said we we're going to work out four days this week. Get up. Let's go. We're going to go work out. Yeah. Or we said, no, we're not going to eat McDonald's. We said that we we're going to eat healthy. Let's go. You know, it's going to take. And you, too, at the same time, will chime in with, no, we're not going to do this. We promise we're going to stay connected. And I think um, we should definitely do a follow-up episode because we sound so smart right now, but just give us six months. (laughs) Hey, I've been there, done that three times. It's debilitating. but not with the right person. That's right. That's right. But even you're going to have to stay on me because my default, I know me, is, well, you may see this stoic, he's a rock man guy. As soon as baby comes in the picture, I just turn into this mushy... I could see that. Yeah, it's super yeah. loving. It's all about the baby, and I just hugging the baby and kissing. I'm a very loving guy, very loving <laughs> daddy. And you've seen me with my young boy, and now who's still very cuddly with me and stuff. I'm very snuggly with the kid, very loving with the kid. And yes, we wrestle and do all the man stuff and everything else, but I'm still a very loving guy. And I could see you saying, you know, grabbing the baby from me and saying, "Were you supposed to go to the gym tonight?" Well, I'd be like, all right. So well, here's a question: mm-hmm. The baby's going to be in the bassinet in our bedroom. Are we going to have sex in our oh, bedroom? that's going to be weird. We're going to have to roll that kid into the bathroom. We're going to have to roll that kid into the bathroom. She doesn't know. She can't hear us. She, I mean, she, she can, but she, she doesn't will, know what to she, do with that. The, the sounds, she won't be able to see over the bassinet, but if she, you know, she, eventually she'll get up on her knees and look over and see mom and dad. Oh, three months. Well, yeah. So the, the sounds and sights will stay with her forever. It will be deep in her psyche, and it will traumatize her for life. Or a sexual being. Or, or that, sure. <laughs> so wrong. No, but I think we're both new to this in this relationship and uh, because we have fared so well throughout everything so far i think we will have a very unique approach to this too to this problem i think we'll be just fine there will be six six not six six weeks where we literally can't be physical but i think we'll find other ways around that i was going to say this yeah exactly i'm I'm not gonna wait no six weeks i don't care what the doctors (laughs) (laughs) no i'm you know what i mean there's ways around it as you say and we will be creative that's right. Have fun with it. Why not make it exactly. fun? Exactly. Make it fun. Make the challenges fun. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, there's there's such a thing as that rare female that uh, as soon as that baby comes out, they're like, I don't know why, but I just feel much more sexual and the hormonal fluctuations Maybe. is probably what it is. It might be the but there's a, there's a probably yeah. the majority are like, and hey, you just not touch me right now. I just uh, my I just uh, expelled a human from my body, and this was very traumatic. Emotionally, but, physically. Yeah, but I think even if I turn into that person, I could see that happen. I think it's important that we still physically connect and just still snuggle and kiss. And even if it doesn't lead to anything. That but we because you, you would be cognizant of the change and cognizant of the need to do the other stuff. And a lot of people don't have that, um, that sensibility that, uh, I don't know what the term is, but it's they just don't have that the self-awareness. Yeah, They don't have that, uh-oh, we're sliding into, they just let, the momentum take him in that direction and then the next thing they know it's been a year we haven't even been on a date mm. we, we barely kiss and hug anymore what, what what happened and both would admit this isn't good 
but I've already got, I'm already tired and I got other things to do. Let's just drop it and we'll, we'll deal with that. And then another year and a half goes by and it's just oh awful. The thing is that I've really firmly believed that the amount of intimacy that we share is a big foundation of our happiness as a couple. Oh yeah, absolutely. We would not be as connected emotionally in, in any other way if we hadn't, didn't have a strong physical connection. So I, I know that if we let this slide into a sexless first year with baby, it'll get really between us. And I, I oh, think well, that's... Oh, you know me, like I say, the elephant in the room. I, I'm going to sit you down and go, we're going down a wrong path here, woman. Yeah, exactly. The, the talk wouldn't be, I don't know why you don't want to have sex with me. Don't you love me anymore? It's still me. It would just be like, look, this is no good. Uh, it wouldn't be a year either. It'd be like two months. Like, <laughs> okay, six weeks is up. <laughs> You're fine. It, we, we're, not, we're not connected anymore. Something's wrong here. What's, what's going on with you? And you may be... I think it may be uh, postpartum. It may be, uh, this is what I'm feeling. But I don't see that scenario happening with us. That feels very foreign to me. I think if you're, I feel postpartum and I feel depressed, that would be like day two. I think you'd be very open with it and very, I need to talk to somebody and you get to the bottom of this. I need to do this, this, and this. And all right, let's 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 take care of it. Um, again, that, you know, um, communication it's something that everyone always talks about. It's the cornerstone of all relationships, whether it's platonic or romantic, whatever, just you got to be able to openly discuss. And I agree. It's just that communication, the concept of it has been adulterated into extreme neediness, anxious stuff, especially from very needy men who just emotionally vomit all over their women and expect the woman just to completely understand and just cave and just say, oh, you're such a warm and open person. Let's Let's get sexy. That doesn't necessarily happen, but we are very ultra communicative, but there's a flavor of that that's healthy and we don't cross over into the other one. It's not codependent is the term. Um, We have some questions here from the guys on the private group for men in dead bedrooms, which if you're not familiar with it, is a discussion group for members of the DSO fraternity. Again, to learn about the DSO fraternity, go to dadstartingover.com slash join. It's a members-only part of the group. And you get access to this private group on uh, Facebook in addition to a couple of other groups that we have on there. In addition to live member meetings, member audio, member articles, all kinds of good stuff. But anyway, check it out. So I asked the guys in there, I said, we're going to be recording this episode. Anybody have any questions for Mrs. DSO? I didn't mention it on this episode, but Mrs. DSO has... uh, uh, she's an MD. She's a doctor. She's a surgeon, to be more exact. So some of these questions, the guys know that from past episodes and so forth, but uh, some of these questions are kind of medical in nature. So I'm going to ask, read some of these off to you, and maybe you can answer them, give your female perspective. How, how should I go about nurturing the prude out of my wife post-childbirth, especially since this trait really only showed up after the birth of our fourth child? Wow. This is key, guys. Well, I have, this guy could have started with, so we have four little shitheads at home and my wife's completely stressed out and overwhelmed. How can I make her a sexy little slut again? Um, maybe it has nothing to do with childbirth, he says, since it was more so after finding out she did something while drunk that she wouldn't normally do, which prompted some questions for myself and some readers. Um, that basically after she, uh, he, the way he worded it made it sound like he was talking about she was fooling around with somebody or whatever. Actually, what happened is after she had some drinks, she was far more sexual in nature with him. And I said, well, that just points to anxiety and tension, stress, stress anxiety, tension. And the, the alcohol is a perfect break, breaks down inhibitions yeah. better yeah. than anything. I mean, I must say I've, I have co-parented your three kids with you when they were younger. And they are the biggest turnoff. 
because they're just annoying, they're loud, they're tiring, they're whining all the time. And children are perfect. And you feel, well, they're just children. They're like every other kid. They're amazing. But um, what I'm trying to say is that I needed, and you taught me this, sometimes just a glass of wine would make me relax and look past all that stress that they caused. And then I would be able to focus on other things. And I think that's probably what happened to this poor lady. She gave birth to so many kids. Her mind is completely preoccupied with bibs and diapers and potty training that, that there isn't any room for anything else, but to delete all that potty training on her mind with a glass of wine. And I could see how she thinks of other things again. And the the problem though is so what do you mean we're not going to be able to be intimate in any way unless the woman drinks some alcohol? No, and it's I like well it, no mm-hmm. it just points to you're you're onto something. It's and what what's the positive? The energy's in there. It just needs to be brought it, out. It, it's it's smothered by all the other bullshit, and you just yeah. need to pull the blankets off of her and just let it come out. And I and I this is this is relationship one hundred and one. Get the hell away from the kids. Grandma, Grandpa, watch the four of these shitheads. Or Aunt, Uncle, you take these two. Friend of the family, you take this one. Whatever it takes. You know, it takes a team to raise family. Um, Because we're going to go away. And you just reconnect. And going back to what we said, that doesn't necessarily mean jump her bones right then and there and have sex. But you you guys need to reconnect. Um, The alcohol is a short-circuit way of getting to that point. It just makes... It's liquid yoga. What was that? Liquid yoga. Oh, look, I like it. I never heard that before. That's a good one. Okay, so another person says, when it comes to sharing each other's lives, how much information does she, a woman, really want or need? I'm told that I tend to overshare. Is it good or bad? When does this become a turnoff? And he, like you see, like one of the girls. Uh, Yeah, I think that's an easy one. Uh, Women love sharing. They love talking and talking and talking about their problems for hours and Often they don't want their guys to say, here, let me fix this. They just want them to listen. And I think a lot of men learn from that. I can do the same with her. Mm-hmm. And men can't really share much with their guys either because the other guys don't want to hear their all their little problems. So men tend to get very open in relationships with their women and, and start sharing so-and-so bothered me at work and this and this annoys me and I would love to fix that and I don't like this and women get tired of it they're they're different than men they don't want to be your problem fixers and listeners they want to they want to have a guy that that listens to them that is there for them yeah but that's not fair it isn't <laughs> as many guys are saying right now well, what the hell she can emote all day long and I can't for five minutes well, you can in a certain way there, there's a healthy way of doing it such as yes. honey I I th- I think I may be fired because the boss is like said he's got a big meeting and the rumors he's going to can us all and I don't know what the hell to do. I'm really worried because we just bought the house and I'm really we don't have any savings. I don't know what to do. Versus, just to give you a heads up, we're having a meeting. I'm pretty sure it means we're going to get a, you know uh, going to get canned. But I went ahead and made some calls and I got some interviews set up for some other companies. That's it. I've uh, been you know same thing, same yeah. same end result but it's just like I'm in charge of this, but you're informed because you're my partner, but I got I got things under control. We're used to you being the fixers. So when you come to us with a problem, you need to already know how to fix it. Whereas you are used to us being the talkers and complainers. Mm-hmm. And that's why you think you can do the same to us. A lot of guys who are raised by single moms um, the mom will emote to that male child a lot, use them like a, as a surrogate spouse. And uh, there's a really horrible term called emotional incest with that. She treats him like a little husband and just opens up everything. And a lot of that's 
revolves around don't be your father don't ever be like your father and they just uh empty about their day and everything and he internalized that as well this is just how people act in relationships you just dump all over each other and then they realize oh i guess that's not so good um this is this question comes from a gentleman whose ex-wife was an md and he says how does she you mrs dso shift from her masculine day job energy into the moment, her body and femininity when we're at home together. So, and then her, his second question is, how do I show up and then lead and help out with this? Well, I would say that's kind of presumptuous and that you're, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and speak for you from my perspective. Um, I never got the impression that you are in a super masculinized role, that you kind of bring your femininity into that role. Well, it, it helps that I work in a pediatric hospital, so it, it, things Very are unified and every, everything's cute. But I am the boss in my OR. What I say is done, gets done, and I am kind of on fire when I get home. And I think at times you picked up on that. The, the thing is, I don't come home to you very often. But when I sometimes do come home and I'm kind of fired up and a little grumpy or aggressive, you usually pick up on that pretty quickly and you point out you're a little controlling nancy here what's up with that but it's never you never walked in and said how come you haven't done this what's no. going on why don't you do that how come you haven't done this yet what's going on no, but I tend to be very orders. Controlling. you just you just uh let's do this let's go there let's have this done and yeah there you go yeah. but more of uh and also just your temperament is just overall more strained sometimes when you have a bad day but i was going to say that i think you have a reputation by what you've described to me as being the cute little feminine one for sure yes, yes you're the boss and everything else but also you're the one that oh yay we like her because she's sweet and she's nice and you go into your office and it's got a lot of cute things in it and you know the the pusheen is that the name of the little fat cat mm -hmm. thing and then this and that so you have a an overall theme of girl still a girl yeah well plus yes i'm the boss but still a girl plus to be honest the fact that i have to be strong and the boss all day long and then get to home, get to go home to you, and then there you are, wrapping your arms around me, being my boss. <laughs> that is so relaxing, and I get home, get to go home, and can just let go of all of that stress and responsibility throughout that I had to live with throughout the day. And that's, I think, where where you complement that, or balance it out. Next question: My wife hates any sex aside from one position. There goes the whole. Does she feel safe exploring, open herself up? Um, she cannot go for seconds, meaning go a second time after they finish. Well, a lot of people can't. Um, won't give up any control in the bedroom. So she won't relax. She doesn't feel safe with them enough to just say, yeah, we'll do that and I'll do this. She's responding to my body change as well, meaning he's losing weight, getting in shape, but she won't let loose in the bedroom. Do you have any advice? Some things to note. This is huge. My wife hates any sort of cuddling, touching, when she's finished or before she starts sex, I assume. Oral, and she refuses any sort of massages, etc. So what a very, not very intimate relationship. I was going to say that sounds like intimacy issues. Because yeah. um, I know lots of women that say, I don't, like I don't like being touched. Those are typically anxious people that are not comfortable in their body, that have something that holds them back, some barrier in their head. And it's often based on a body issue or a self-esteem or, or a trust issue. So I would probably figure out what's going on there. Think there may be some deep-seated thing. Yeah, something but how from her past. That? Yeah, yeah. How do you approach that? Um, trying to break down those barriers, and again, maybe ask her what she would like to do in the bedroom. 
well, if you, you know, you put the onus on the woman to, hey, drive this boat, tell me what you want to do. Let them, I'm fine with what what's going on here in the dark. I don't, I don't like my belly. I don't like, just turn off the light. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I trust me. I like it. You know, and the man's like, Ugh. I was kind of hoping we go back to the porn star stuff we used to do pre-kids and everything else. But um, anyway, so let's go on to the next one here. This is more for you being a, this is like a doctor kind of question. My wife deals with endometriosis and um, PCOS. Can you talk about what those are? What is endometriosis? That's um, spillage, if you want to call it that way, spillage of uterine lining cells into other parts of the body. So you have basically the uterus cells that are should be contained in the uterus, but they're hanging out in your bowel or in your ovaries, and they respond to the hormonal changes every month, just like your uterus lining. So they swell up, they, they shed it, they bleed. Oh, wow. And so women that have endometriosis, depending on how complicated it is, will have pretty debilitating pains along with their What's the periods. Th- uh, therapy for medication? Or some, some are surgical, some is hormonal. Honestly, the last time I learned about endometriosis was in med school, so that was... Wow, and piece, 10 years ago. <laughs> and polycystic ovarian syndrome is what it sounds like. Yeah, There's... polycystic ovarian. You guys might know that. That is a um, basically a hormonal imbalance thing where often the, the male hormones are overweighing in the body. So women often have more hair growth. Yeah, you'll notice their hairy acne, arms, the hairy upper have, lip. Yeah, and... and they don't ovulate every month. So there is a little bit of a lack of um, lack of estrogen maybe. Um, or, they have problems with fertility. Usually. Yeah, they often have issues with that. It's complicated and worsened by obesity. So it's very important that women with PCOS stay on a healthy diet, work out. Um, and that can actually mitigate all the symptoms. And you talked about in here, the question says that uh, well, her OBGYN has suggested that, for instance, she go on a low-carb diet. And I think the reason for that is to cut down on inflammation. Some people, gut issues and so forth, have problems with inflammation and when they cut carbs out of their diet and go to ketogenic diet, that uh, they improve a great deal. But she is like a lot of the women that I hear about. Um, she needs a little extra push. It's almost like there's a fear of putting forth change. You know, like that wife that just won't lose 50 pounds. I don't want to go to the gym. Like there's no there's no push for her to do that. And the man's not about to say, I'm about to leave you if you keep being fat. Although I think some form of that talk needs to happen. Um he says here, I'm unsure how to correctly encourage her to take action or even if I need to. I'm working on me physically and mentally. I recently switched to eating keto himself. So, and he obviously doesn't have endometriosis. Um, I want her to make changes not only for my entity, but for her own quality of life and happiness. That's that's old sit down and talk time, isn't it? Of I'm kind of worried about you, sweetheart. I see you suffering. And what I don't get is when this doctor says, you know what we should do? We should try this out just to see how it helps you out. Maybe it'll help you 20%. You have the power to change something here. Yeah. What is it? You're fearful wife of changing. Is it as simple as, I don't want to eat just meat and eggs and cheese. Uh, I like crackers and I like that. Is it that, is that what it is? Because I mean, be honest. Or is there something else going on here? And I think this is a perfect example of what a lot of guys going through like the dead bedroom fix process was basically it's just become a better dude is that when they become better, they lose weight and they start getting attention from some ladies and they're doing better at the job and they just feel overall better about themselves and they come home to her and she's just, maybe she has very real issues like endometriosis and PCOS, depression, whatever it may be. But he's just like ready to tackle the world and he's feeling this manic high of the new him over the last year and he's 
he's conquering the world. Whatever man wants to. He has a mission and he's accomplishing it. And he doesn't come home to a cheerleader. He doesn't come home to a, yes, that's my man right there. Get over here and give your woman a kiss. He just comes home to a wife. I don't know. I can't. I don't know. Doctor says she's try keto. I don't know. I don't know. And man, the, the men just start falling out of love with their women, basically. They won't say it in so many words, but that's what they describe when they're telling me is they just lose that connection. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. For better or for worse, you need to stick, but you really got to lead and you got to help and you got to push. You can only lead a horse to the water. They got to take action themselves. And sometimes it takes the man going, I, I, it, we've been at this for years and I don't see you making any change. And I'm not sure where we're going with this. Yeah. Well, the classic intervention, right? Yeah. And then sometimes that's what it takes. And the wife says, you know what? You're right. I don't want to lose my family over this. Let's get to it. A lot of guys don't reach that point, though. Because well, it, it gets close to body shaming and, you know, this is the woman that well, gave birth. Is, is that all you need me for is sex? Yeah. Or, is well, this is about? Or yeah. this woman has been through so much and here I am telling her she needs to work on her body. I mean, that, it's just a difficult conversation. That's Yeah. That's why I think it's, uh, well, the, how should he approach that then, do you think, from a female perspective? Well, I think as a as a we kind of thing. Hey, I'm getting I'm getting healthier, and I think we should be getting healthier. We should be working on something together to get you better, and not put it all on her. What's interesting is I recently wrote about this, saying that men need to be better about having those difficult conversations instead of just completely sweeping under the rug and living with the wife who's 85 pounds overweight and you've lost attraction to her, because invariably what happens is you end up in a marriage counseling session. And you're telling the marriage counselor all the shit that you should have been telling your wife and vice versa for years. And the other partner goes, well, why in the hell didn't you just tell me? If you were so unattracted to me after I gained all that weight after the kid, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you help me go to the gym? And the guy's like, what the hell? I can't just say, hey, my wife's fat. And well, maybe you should have some semblance of that five years ago. Um, but now here you are. So, oh, but anyway, what I wrote recently was that uh, let's think of the example of a wife bringing her husband to the living room and saying, sit your butt down and just saying, I'm really worried about you and your health. You're not looking good. You're not eating right. I'm worried about your heart. You're stressed out from work. You're not setting a good example for your kids, mister. I love you. We need to get your butt in shape. We need to get you eating better and working out. And I think, you know, if you pulled like 100 people, 99 of them would say, you go, girl. That's awesome. She's a great wife. But when you flip the genders, it's a little different when a man, and you're yeah. nodding, it's, you know, when a man says, Sweetheart, you got to get your act together. Immediately, it's what a shallow, sex hungry, whatever it may be. To which I say, let people think what they want. That's that's called being a good partner in my mind. Uh, next question: I'd be interested to hear the female perspective on the efforts that you put into your relationship. Well, we've kind of already touched on this. Now that you're in a second marriage versus your first, if there's any difference, um, do you think she would have been receptive to fix a relationship? had your first husband tried. Oh, that's interesting. So if he had started putting in some real effort and changing himself, knowing all the baggage that you had, yes, uh, would you have been like, sweet, let's go for this? Yes, I would have. Yeah, but um, cause, because we had just a very specific dynamic that I think I really was just waiting for him to fix something about him because uh, he had so many issues and he just couldn't get over the main issue which was kind of him just being neurotic and in his own way and i just wanted him to grow up and move on and just be a man and and he was always this boy very anxious very neurotic about everything he had to overthink everything so i think if he had just said you know what 
I'm going to stop all that nonsense. I'm just going to move on with life and we're just going to fix all these issues that we've had. I would have been very welcoming to that. I, I was mm. waiting for that the whole time. And eventually, I think I just switched my brain off. Next, I skipped over this question. My wife recently showed me some signs that she would like to contribute to the reignition of our dead bedroom, but or of our bedroom, but she's dealing with body image issues. Well, that's really common with women, which appear to be serious obstacle on the road to a healthy sex life. Any tips? So she doesn't like her body. I think a big part is the guy makes the woman feel sexy. So whatever it is that the guy can do to make her feel attractive, that's probably going to help a lot. Because you you know, even now that I have my pregnancy body, definitely have a little pooch going on and definitely put on a couple of pounds. That's not a pooch, it's a child. Okay, well, I'm, yeah. yes. <laughs> but there's a pooch element to it. <laughs> yes, I'm starting to feel a little self-conscious and, you know, like maybe maybe I don't really like those extra pounds. But you point out just the right things about my body that are perfect right now. And uh, you go with that and you yeah, make I, me feel attractive. And I'm not just saying that to, you know, make you feel better either. I genuinely am insanely turned on by the changes that are made. <laughs> well, this is a cup size bigger. Um, that, that helps. <laughs> but but, but think, your body is well made for the, take the extra pounds and the figure is such that it's like, this looks really good You've always done on that. You. You've always pointed yeah. out, oh, this is, oh, you look so good and this is so sexy and I love this outfit. And I think that helps, help, always has helped me feel attractive. So I think that's a part, which is also, again, it's really hard to do without being creepy. So depending on how your relationship dynamics are, it might not work creepy you bring up a good point you kind of touched on this earlier um nerdy little spazzy anxious obviously kind of creepy guy goes up and put his hands on a beautiful woman at a bar you better believe he's getting a drink in his face and then what the hell are you doing mm-hmm. versus a woman feels a touch on her arm and she turns around and there's brad pitt well hello brad pitt <laughs> Or, you know, you don't have to be a super celebrity. Or she turns around and there's tall, dark, and handsome with the Rolex and the nice suit and everything else. And she's like, oh, hey, do I know you? Very different reaction. Um, Some of you guys have painted yourself into a corner where you're this spazzy, nerdy guy because you have so much baggage and so much. And I think your ex kind of fell into that category. Mm -hmm. And all that attraction is lost. So if all of a sudden he were to come up to you and be like, you know, grabbing your boobs and squeezing you in and look at this i love this woman right here first of all you'd be like where the hell is this coming from yeah and think too this is kind of weird can you not so that's the thing that person so my ex was actually trying that at some point he was just trying to be all like suave and smooth and i was like what are you doing this (laughs) This is not you so that's the thing you need to figure out how in the context of your communication and your relationship how you can make your wife feel attractive so that that's slow incremental process and that's the problem a lot of men get very impatient i mean i talk to them and they're like i'm in this for the long haul i'm i'm doing this i'm like great because it's going to take a while (laughs) you got a lot of shit to overcome here and they're like great and then a month later so this hot little girl that works for me or works with me at the office sent me a instagram direct message and we're flirting and we basically had an emotional affair for a week i'm like dude (laughs) come on it's like it's that quickly how they're thrown off yeah, from and, their mission, and to so to get back into that onto that road of being romantic, it, it has to be the the start has to be very asexual. It has to be 
just things pointing Start out like over. i love i love how you smile or i love your smile or bringing just flowers home and saying you know i just am so thankful that you're my wife it's those it's more of an express ex, expression of appreciation to make her feel attractive before you can go down the road of saying hey you're you look hot in that outfit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. next question is a good one um Actually, here. Oh no, I skip. Uh, keep skipping. Here's a good one. How much of shit tests, which is a concept that you're familiar with, are done consciously versus you don't know when you're doing them? We don't know that we're doing them. There's no. You, I didn't even know we were doing them until you pointed it out to find what a shit test is. Mm -hmm. Just. <laughs> and for those that don't know, shit test, fitness test, if you want to call it that, everyone does it to everybody. But it seems like females are just way more attuned to it for whatever reason, which is. Okay, let's do a non-female shit test. The the boss hires you for a job. I often excuse me if you guys have heard this a hundred times. Um, I'm hiring you for this job. Here's your salary. You will never have to work on weekends. Nine to five every day. Great. I'm hired. Two weeks into the new job. Hey, I'm gonna need you to come in on Saturday. Uh, okay. Shit test failed. I'm gonna need you to come in on Saturday. Um. I have a contract and remember we talked about no Saturdays. I mean, it's important to me that I don't work weekends. That's why I agreed to this job. I mean, do we need to renegotiate? Do we need to look at this deal? That's, you know, shit test passed. And what does that tell that boss? I'm not a pushover. You can't just tell me whatever to do. I have options in life, mister. Um, shit test from a female. Um, something's bothering you. Just tell me what it is. Right with Okay, perfectly normal. Who wouldn't say that? Your husband's acting blah, 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 blah. Well, that doesn't mean is com continuously emote and cry and dump on me for the next half hour straight because then she's going to say, just, uh, I need some time alone. Just, I have to process this. Just don't talk to me right now. Test passed is what we talked about earlier. Yeah, shit going on at the office. I'm sorry. I don't mean to bring it home, but ugh, it's just a mess. But I got it. It's all squared away. I'm having a meeting with the boss tomorrow about it and it should be all, nothing to worry about. You know, I didn't mean to. It has nothing to do with you, trust me. You know, test passed. But women, I think it's their emotionality, the picking up of social cues of whatever it may be, that she wants to be reassured that my man's here, et cetera, da, da, da. All these little tests. And yeah, and that's what I don't love the word shit test, to be honest, because it sounds like we are actually testing you. We're not. We're just we're a relationship, especially in the early stages on is a power play and you know, figuring out each other's boundaries and where the other person ends and I begin and where I end. And so we're not really actively testing. We're, we're testing the waters. That's the better way to place it, put it. Yeah, and, they, they're totally real. Another good example is, uh, um, I, I put it in the book, perfect example, and every man has experienced this. So you're watching a TV show. What, what do you, who do you think is the prettier girl on the TV? None of them. You're the only girl I can see in my life, and the eyes. The blonde one kind of looks like you, but you have better legs than what she does. Wow. Versus me, if you ask me that, I'd be like brunette. I would slam the living shit out of that woman. And then I would say, well, I don't know. I kind of find the the boobies on that other one. And see, so. If I had spazzed out, I don't know. I don't really feel comfortable. I don't <laughs> test failed. You're like, you're sitting there thinking that wasn't a test. That was just a little conversation piece. Yes. But 
in the reaction to it that, that became a sudden test and a test failure or test pass. And those happen all the time. And again, it happens with everybody. It's just you ladies are so attuned to that and you're, you're, our reactions and our emotionality is so important to you. Almost everything becomes a freaking test, it seems. No, that's the because way I walk in the well, door, the way I react to this, the way I react to that. We're very social beings. And we, yes, you are. And we melt into our environments. Our boundaries tend to be weaker. And mm -hmm. we need to see, therefore, where your boundaries are so that we know how far we can melt into your space. Oh, I like that. There was uh, Esther Perel wrote in her book, uh, it's either, uh, don't quote me, I think it may have been... Um, you see, they're mating captivity or the state of affairs about people having affairs. And it was the number one fear of women is that they can't rely on their men, that their men are just actually little boys in men's bodies and that they will crumble. We need to know that you're strong. So we'll throw out little things here and there to test to see just how strong you are. And we just have this innate fear that women speaking that, oh, man, you're not as strong as I thought you were. Damn it. You're just that little boy that I always feared you were. Uh, last question, then we'll wrap it up. She, Mrs. DSO, seems like a self-sufficient woman, as is my wife. With no financial dependency and being independent, what does she find attractive in you? <laughs> what pushes her buttons? What an interesting question. Dude, you can't pay for anything that she needs, and what the hell is she doing with you? That's basically what she's saying. <laughs> so what do you find? What pushes your buttons? We talked about that in our last, in last one, yeah. episode, that it's... um. It's exactly what you said previously, just a minute ago, is that you are strong and you're a man and you're, you got my back and I don't need you to pay for things. That's kind of sad if that's, that's kind of where I put you. I, your function is not to pay for my bills. It's your, I need a person I can rely on. I need a person that doesn't run away when things get difficult. I need somebody who I can trust, who's there for me, who's loyal, who, um, yeah, who listens to me, who loves me, who's passionate with me, who is, accepts me the way I am and loves me exactly for that. So there's a lot more than than being a provider <laughs> that I'm looking for. And um, I think you push all those buttons. You just make me feel safe. Okay, I, I said last question, but there's one here that Mrs. DSO pointed out that I skipped over, which was uh, the role of hormones. So you have things such as birth control, which hugely impact a woman's hormonal makeup. And uh, I've often pointed out, and you were the one that's kind of turned me on to, those are some pretty potent cocktails that we're throwing on a lot of women. We just throw them out like candy, uh, shots, pills, oh, yeah. implants. Yes. And uh, even uh, a lot of guys point out IUD. Some IUDs uh, even have a hormonal component to them. And uh, they drastically change. And as a hormonal patient myself on testosterone, I used to tell guys, I go, dudes, I'm a completely different human being than I was a short 10, 12 years ago, however long it's been. I mean, completely. That, that one liquid that I inject into my butt twice a week changes me that much? Oh, yeah. So can you imagine being a woman and going through the hormonal fluctuations on a monthly basis? And they're pretty drastic in themselves. And then you throw into that a pharmaceutical component of a pill that throws all that off. And in in, a, in such a way that it fools the body into thinking it's pregnant, so therefore you don't you know ovulate. Da, da, da. Hugely drastic stuff. And some women, including yourself, have really bad reactions to those. Mm -hmm. And it shuts down, could shut down your libido. It could make you feel suicidal, depressed, super anxious, all kinds of stuff. So hormones are huge. That's a long-winded way of saying hormones are huge. They are, and I think um, there is not enough attention paid to that. 
in males especially, nobody cares about male hormones. Nobody ever brings up um, the menopause or the, 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 dro the andropause, the, the drop of the testosterone. And I think especially in the U.S., there seems to be a big hesitation um, to give women estrogen replacement therapy because of the, the risk of breast cancer. Um, I've, I realized in Europe, they're much more liberal with that. A lot of women go on the on the pill right away um, in menopause. As soon as their estrogen drops, they go on to estrogen replacements. It doesn't seem to be as common a thing here. And um, having been on multiple birth control methods, having been on hormone treatments um, for fertility, I have experienced firsthand how hormones can completely change your personality. I have gone from aggressive angry to cry baby i want to die i can't live like this to super happy horny in like a few days and you have experienced pms with me i can get really sad and anxious and stressed um depending on how that month goes for me there's a big component in how much i sleep what i eat whether my pms is stronger or not so i think hormones are such a big deal that if you feel there is an issue there that your wife is different, that she's more emotional, that she has no libido. Those things, I think, need to be looked at. But find a doctor who does that. The problem is, is that when you suspect that, such as a lot of guys I talk to, the wives are in mid-late 40s, and mm -hmm. I say menopause. Pre-menopause. Pe perimenopause, as they yeah. call it. It's starting up. And and it's, it's so funny, but you being a doctor and me being the person that I'm so curious about all this stuff just naturally, even without knowing you, I was very big into learning all about biology and hormones and everything else because of my own treatment. Um, how much that is not a part of people's worlds at all. Like they are completely clueless and they don't want to know. They don't, and they will, you know, say things to me like, so do you think something like menopause will have an effect on a woman's sex drive? I'm like, um, yeah, <laughs> everything shuts down. Menopause is nature's way of saying your job as a fertile reproductive human is done. Now it's the grandma years. Enjoy. And some women gladly say, yep, you're right, Mother Nature. Grandma years it is. Osteoporosis and heart disease and everything, here I come. While others are more proactive in saying, let me get with a doctor and kind of see what I can do to <clears throat> stay ahead of this. And that's what you're talking about. The European culture, for whatever reason, seems to be more on top of this. In the U.S., it seems to be way more common with your ultra-fit type ladies. Your gym, real big time gym goers with the fake boobs and those kind of women, they all go to those hormone clinics and take the estrogen and the growth hormone and the testosterone and everything else to stay as young as humanly possible. But it's still a fringe thing. And I think there was a study done that linked, or probably multiple studies, that linked um, some cancers are very estrogen sensitive. And so immediately doctors will say, just in case you are one of those people one of those women that is more apt to get this estrogen-sensitive form of breast cancer, I'm not going to chance it and give you estrogen. But then recent studies have shown the risk of not addressing that yeah, hormone out far outweigh your 2% chance of having that estrogen-sensitive yeah. form of breast cancer. So we're going to go ahead and give you this anyway because your rate of heart disease is going to go way down. Your rate of other cancers is going to go way down. Osteoporosis, all kinds of other host of issues. Sex drive, for one, hey, would you like to keep having sex with your husband well into your 60s? Because it's possible. You just need a little cream, a little pill. Who knows? A little shot. I don't know what it may be, but we need to get past that stigma. Because, yeah, again, long-winded way of saying hormones. Yes, huge. My wife's starting, starting perimenopause. Is that a cause of this? Uh, yes. 
Do you think my wife being on SSRIs and other mind-altering drugs may have an effect on her libido? Absolutely. These are huge things. Uh, so take more ownership of your body, your wife's, what's going on medically with you guys, and be proactive. Doctor, let's get in, in front of this. Wife, I'm concerned about you. Let's get on top of this. And no, it's not just so I can get laid. <clears throat> I always tell guys the line is, you know, when you're so far gone into this dead bedroom. Honey, even if you just laid down and said, let's do this, I wouldn't because we're just not connected anymore. Something's up. Let's get on top of this. Let's go to the doctor and get this figured out. This is just weird. <clears throat> that's the, I think that's the only way to approach one the situation like this in a healthy way. Um, I don't think I have any more to share other than that. Do you have anything else you want to end this on? No, I don't think so. I think, um, no, I don't think I have anything to add. I think we had a pretty good conversation, but maybe more questions come out of that for the next time. I'm sure it will. We'd like to do more of these. The um, last episode I did with you, which came out just two weeks ago mm -hmm. now, think so. Yeah. is the most downloaded one so far. So it's so funny. Your articles are also read a lot. And I think a lot of people are just like, woohoo, a female perspective. This is kind of cool. This is different. And they say, Yahoo, you ladies just get a lot of breaks just for the fact that you have boobies and stuff. And um, I guess that's it. really don't know how to end this. I'm not a very good broadcaster. Thank <laughs> you all for listening. Dadstartingover.com. Please check out the DSO fraternity. $14.99 per month or $149 for the entire year. And you get members-only articles, audio. You get uh, access to those Facebook groups that we talked about. You get access to all three of my books. Failed to mention that. If you haven't read my books, there you go. For $14.99 a month, you can read them all and any future books I have coming up. Also, the audio versions of those books. The Facebook groups already mentioned that. The live meetings are huge. We have three of those, if not more, every single week. So you have a lot of meetings. And all these meetings, I always fail to mention this, they are archived on the website. So if you miss a meeting, I would like to go back last year and listen to last year's meetings. They're all organized, and you can see all the topics. You can spend weeks just listening to that audio alone. So I think it's a big bang for your buck. Dadstartingover.com slash join to check it out. So please give it a shot. Mrs. DSO, thank you so much. Thank you. We'll see you guys. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information, like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, 
discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.